You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in to Sunday Smash, your official lead-up show to the Academy Awards. That's what we're going to be talking about for an hour here. Just kidding. No, we're not. Uh, a lot of football, a lot of FSU sports, as always. Alongside the managing editor of Warchant.com, he's Irish Chauffeur. My name is Tom Lang, and we thank you for tuning in, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitch. We even have a Twitch stream, Ira. Uh, things. What? On. Yeah, I built Let's a Twitch channel. Nice. So uh, if, if that's your thing or, or your kids use the Twitch app a lot, you can subscribe there. But make sure if you're on YouTube, subscribe to Warchant TV right now. If you haven't done it, please do so. Help yourself out. We're the best in the business on YouTube, the multimedia sphere with FSU coverage. So go ahead and do that and hit that thumbs up button underneath the video. Let's get up to 100 likes real fast tonight. We appreciate everybody for your support. Ira, what's going on? You know, it was weird yesterday that FSU played football or, or practiced football, whatever you want to call it, with a scrimmage, and we didn't get to go see it. We've been seeing a ton of football, though. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Yeah, it is different. Uh, you know, back in the day, it, it was when you didn't get to go to a scrimmage, it was like not devastating, but you were like dying to get in. We would sneak in, go sneak up to the varsity club, try to sneak into the press box, you know, try to like loiter around. But now, because we do see every other practice, I wasn't dying to get out there. I'll be yeah. honest with you, man. I was, I was kind of cool with them practicing and us. Uh, I got to do some stuff at the house, some yard work. So, uh, it, uh, I think we were all winners, and we still, you know, obviously got to hear a lot from the coaches and coordinators, but also, uh, you know, talk to some people. So I think we have a pretty good idea of what happened. I don't think anything crazy happened in the scrimmage beyond what's been happening. We've been reporting on uh, all spring, which has been, you know, mostly really positive. Yeah, it has been. Uh, they're just they're getting better. I remember, you know, going to fall camp last year, first couple of practices, and you were at every single practice last fall. And the first takeaway I had was, oh, okay, they're a lot better than they were in the spring. That didn't turn into an eight-win season or a nine-win season, but you could just see the incremental improvement. And once again, this camp uh, versus last fall is just they're dealing with a higher floor, um, a higher baseline heading into uh, you know the second or I guess it would be the third week of spring camp. So there's a lot to be you know optimistic about. But you're right. We talked about this on the spring uh, the scrimmage number one preview video. Uh, you got to check yourself. The talent's not all there where it needs to be, but they're just, it looks like they're maximizing what they have. And it sounds like there, there was a little bit more of that in the scrimmage yesterday. You want to go through what we were told uh, that happened and, and how that uh, kind of builds into a trend with what we've seen with our own eyes. Uh, what were some things that stood out to you? Yeah. You know, we've, we've all been talking about how well, uh, you know, certainly last week, how well Tate Rodemaker played. Um, so I think, you know, people are like freaking out and, what does that mean? And, you know, had a couple of posts on the message boards. You know, is there any chance Tate could beat out Jordan? I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. And I think yesterday was another indication of that. I think Jordan, you know, he's he's very calm running this offense. He feels good about it. He understands it. Uh, you know, you just see him. We Some of the stuff we've seen in practice, he can he can direct traffic. He knows where – he knows how the offense works now. He's, he's out there every day of practice. Last year, even though, uh, you know, he was in the competition for the starting job, you know, he missed some practices for different reasons and – and he had split time, and now he's kind of the guy. So, um, and he's been in the offense now for three years. So, I think you know the continuation of that. Um, you know, I think Tate Rodemaker and AJ Duffy had both had good moments, um, but they're also going to have more down moments uh, than Jordan does. And I think that's the thing with Jordan is he he doesn't make a lot of big mistakes. So even when he doesn't have a big player, the offense stalls. It's not necessarily turning the ball over and making big mistakes, which you know the younger guys still do occasionally. 
Um, defense, you know, stepped up and, you know, Mike Ravel said that right off the bat and, you know, Alex Atkins, you know, made the comment that, you know, they, they got after us pretty good early on, which is what you expect. It was funny, um, you know, walking off the practice field Thursday, the way the offense closed out that practice, the passing game was just clicking, going up and down the field, big passes, big touchdowns. Uh, somebody who was at the practice who I talked to occasionally made the comment, not a coach or anything, but somebody who's out there sometimes made the comment. Next time they practice, I think Adam Fuller is probably going to bring some things for them. And, uh, and I think that's what they did. I think the defensive front was a little bit more aggressive and uh, got some pressure, some TFLs, and the offense had to adjust to it. But all in all, sounds like a continuation of what we've seen. And, and you know, we can talk about individual players. And we've already got a bunch of people uh, throwing up questions. So, you know, happy to get to those. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's just kind of more of what we've been seeing. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I got to say, I, I was pleased to hear that the defense got the better of things or, or certainly made the early statement in the scrimmage because of the way. Thursday finished you know if it was another day in which the offense is continuing to win uh then maybe I would start to worry a little bit that this is a trend and and you have to assess and say well what am I actually looking at am I looking at a defense that's not going to get it done this year so that they responded as good and and you know again something we've talked about a lot but you're seeing reps that are being won you know it, it's not a by default situation well where- you know and sorry to interrupt you but I, I thought Adam Fuller's comment was great yesterday when he said, man, there were just some tremendous throws and catches yep. at the end of that practice. And he's right. And we were there. We don't want to take him on his word. Yep. Those were, there was good coverage, just better throws. And when, when the quarterback makes a perfect throw, I'm not saying they were all perfect, but they were all really good throws. Yep. You know, it makes it a lot tougher for the defense. Well, and there is a lot more confidence out of that position. I mean, you did note and talk about Jordan Travis and, and how he's the guy and you can see it. He carries himself that way. But out of Tate as well, you know, he was available to us for an interview this week. And you just see like they're, everybody's got their role. They're into it. They're invested and they're calm. They know what they're looking at. And I think that's probably, uh, you know, a really important thing to talk about with Jordan. Ira, is that he's had so many different offensive coordinators over the years. At least the system is the same with Kenny Dillingham departing. At least that there's continuity from Louisville to Willie Taggart to the Mike Norvell era. The continuity has to be something that's brought up because we talk about it in the NFL all the time where if you're like Jason Campbell was and you've got a bunch of different offensive minds in consecutive years, you're not really learning anything. So to have the continuity, you can see it. There's just a comfort level with a lot of players in this um, in the offense. What exactly, because you know me, I was following the trenches all week. Uh, I was, uh, especially with the offensive line, I was watching it very closely, and I'll be looking at the defensive line at practice on Tuesday and Thursday this week. But take me through your journey on Tuesday and Thursday. What position groups were you looking at the most, and, and what are some things that stood out to you as you were mining for information? Early on in the week, most I was really looking at the cornerback situation with Jarvis Brownlee leaving the team. Uh, we didn't know that on Tuesday, uh, but you can feel it heading that way. He didn't come back. We had heard if he was going to come back to the team, it was going to be a Tuesday's practice. When we didn't see him at Tuesday's practice, I started thinking, okay, I really need to spend more time looking at the corners. And and that probably explains part of the decision to move Renardo Green to corner this spring. Not that he – I don't know that he was going to be a main part of the rotation at safety because of how well the, you know those guys are playing there, certainly – uh, Jamie Robinson, he wasn't going to unseat him, and and Akeem Dents played really well. Um, but also, you know, now there's some uncertainty at cornerback, and I'm guessing they saw that coming. Um, so, you know, you got Renardo Green, Greedy Vance. Uh, we think Amarion Cooper's got the one cornerback job pretty much locked down. He's looked really good all spring. So looking at that competition, Jarian Jones is a little bit limited right now. Um, and then the young corner. So that was one thing I was really focused on during the week. And then also, uh, like, uh, the running back situation, I'm really – and I asked Alex Atkins about it yesterday when he quoted The Wire, saying it's a good problem to have. I've been trying to figure out if C.J. Campbell's for real because it feel it's such a similar story to Treshawn Ward that it's like, man, has this thing happened again where they've got a walk-on running back who's really in? You know, you know, we saw C.J. Campbell made plays last year in, in, in scout for the scout team against the good defense, so you knew there was some ability there. Um, and, you know, he obviously had a, a lot of numbers in high school and for whatever reason wasn't really heavily recruited. But he uh, continues to make plays. I heard he had some uh, nice plays again in the scrimmage. So that's one thing I was looking at. And I knew you were focused on the line. So on Thursday, I really was watching the the seven on seven and a lot yeah. of the passing game stuff. And that's when that all blew up. Yeah, uh, C.J. Campbell, I think we can say it speaking generally, he's gotten some more important reps. He can play. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he can. 
Uh, they've got a lot of different weapons on offense. That's the one thing that I see in between uh, some of the individual work and, and the, you know, offensive line, defensive line stuff when there's seven on seven. Uh, I'll look over between reps. They've got a, a variety of weapons. Corey Wren's speed is for real, and he's a weapon that, you know, they could break out at least for a few snaps every game if they want to. Ja'Kai Douglas has been excellent uh, all of camp. Uh, that, that slot receiver position looks like it's going to be in pretty good hands with either him or Micah Pittman, even though Winston Wright got hurt. They have some solutions there. Malik McLean's had a good week. And then you're right in the backfield with running backs. You've got every variety. You've got the, the shifty smaller guys that might be your third down backs, your pass catchers. Then you've got Trey Benson, who was, it's something they didn't have with Jay Sean Corbin's departure. You needed somebody who was bigger and you put him out there uh, potentially in big situations or even a DJ Williams. They've got a lot of variety. I don't know that they've got a lot of elite players, Ira, but right. they've got choices. they got choices on how they want to run things, and and uh, that's that's a lot better than it was last year, I would think. Well, that's what and that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't know, I don't know if we're what we're seeing with C.J. Campbell and Trayshawn Ward also is is like maybe they you know Mike Norvell and this offensive staff and Alex Atkins they they can really scheme up some running plays. I mean, I think that's part of it, and they've got backs that understand it. Um, but because I, I don't think any of these guys are elite NFL sure thing backs. I mean, Trey Benson has the measurables. He might end up being that. Um, maybe Tofili figures out a way to be a guy that could be like that. Norvell did seem really happy with him yesterday and talked about how much uh, weight he's good weight he's put on this offseason, uh, up to over 190 pounds now, which he was pretty far from that before. So um, I don't know, like you said, you don't, there's not a Dalvin back there. I'm not even sure there's a Devante or, or even a, a Carlos Williams or a Wilder. Um, but I think the combination of they've got some good run hard who understand the offense, uh, who will give you a good, honest day's work. And I think they do scheme up the running game pretty well. So that kind of all adds in together. Maybe Trey Benson's an elite guy. We haven't seen an elite guy um, in that back. I wouldn't even say Jay Sean Corbin's an elite back. I mean, they're, he's, a, he's a good college back, but I wouldn't say an elite back. And I still don't think they have one unless Trey Benson turns out to be one. But they might have a lot of good college players, right. good ACC players, like a, a number of them, not just in the backfield, but especially a receiver. You know, I wanted to get your thoughts, too, on on the receiver room. That's the topic that we broke down the most and we're most excited to see with all the transfers that came in. But to me, every time I, I look over there, I see a lot more plays being made. I see a lot more contested catches, uh, separation generated off the line of scrimmage. Pokey Wilson on Thursday had a play in which Jordan hit him outside the numbers, which he loves that throw. But Pokey got off the line of scrimmage and created instant separation from Kevin Knowles, who, who guards the slot very well. And and Jordan threw it with such velocity and got it out so far. I thought, man, there's no way he's going to get run under that. Mm -hmm. And because Pokey got that great release, like you said, and accelerated, so he ran right under it and caught it right in stride. I thought I wasn't watching that. I wasn't watching him like you were. I was watching Jordan. Mm -hmm. And when he let it go, I, I was like, there's no way. Just in my internal clock, there's no way he's going to get to that ball. And sure enough, and he made it with ease. And that was the precursor to the end of practice, which everybody was talking about. Yeah. And we've documented a bunch where Pokey Wilson was the target on one of those throws. And then there was a throw to uh, Toa Feely, who I didn't mention right. in that stable of running backs. I mean, there's another weapon for you. And then it was Malik McLean on the capper for the three plays. Get you some, as, as Jeff would say. Yeah, it was like 65 yards in three plays. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Tate was ready. Uh, he was like, Oh my God, I'm going in already. Here we go for, for the next round with the other players. But, um, is there, is there a, a play or a moment or a player that stuck out to you this week that maybe didn't before spring break? Is there somebody trending in the right direction? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I'll give you mine then while you're thinking. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Jared Jackson this week had a couple of reps and they need more consistency out of him. And they've got a ton of dudes in the interior of the D line. So they can shift in line changes in and out and they've got good players, but there was one rep in, uh, I think they call it their pod drill. But it's uh, like three on two for the O-line against yeah. the D-line. And Jared Jackson, I won't say which guard, literally grabbed a guard. And it's a good player, too. Grabbed the guard and chucked him to the ground and got into the backfield with one hand, the strength that he flashed. And that was on top of a couple other plays where he just he used his quickness that you saw sometimes last year, uh, but not enough, not enough consistently. I, I had forgotten about him because I've been – uh, focusing on uh, Daniel Lyons, who's been good. Bishop Thomas has been good. Uh, of course, the two starters are, are really good as well. But Jared Jackson uh, re-entered the conversation for me this week, and I'd kind of forgotten about him before break. Yeah, to me, he's kind of like the Lloyd Willis of the defense because the, the, from a physical standpoint, I mean, he just 
I mean, there's not there's nobody else out there that looks like Jared Jackson. And on offense, there's nobody else really that looks like Lloyd Willis. I mean, I guess Bless Harris is kind of close. But, I mean, those guys have those NFL bodies. They just haven't put it together to be guys that they can trust. But And I think that's the story to me of the offensive line, really in general, and, and, and a couple of guys on defensive line, is, you know, we're seeing them right now. If, if Florida State had to play right now, you would not feel good about putting Lloyd Willis out there. I don't know how great you feel about Jared Jackson being out there for 50 snaps. But there's still – five, six months, you know, so can they get there? Because those guys have physical ability that, you know, an offensive line, Darius Washington's and some of those guys don't have. And on the defensive line, you know, Malcolm Ray doesn't have, but maybe those other guys are, are, you know, don't have the the, as high a ceiling, but are better players right now. So that's, that's, you know, and I think that's honestly, that's why Mike Norvell lets us watch practice. To be honest with you, I think that's his whole, you know, that his idea behind letting media watch practice is because we get to see that journey instead of just either A, writing a guy off because he doesn't ever play, or B, uh, wondering why so-and-so doesn't play. Well, we know why some of these guys don't play. You you watch the trenches. You can tell yep. who's having a tough time right now. And the question is, can they get them there in these next five or six months? Well, and that's why even, you know, doing the, the trench notes uh, content on warchant.com, you can find that right now. Uh, it was released yesterday in the morning. I uh, go player by player on the offensive line. We'll do something similar next week for the defense. I do it and I enjoy that project, Ira, but I also feel kind of, I don't know, kind of icky when I write that because I don't want somebody to take ho- take away that that's what the player is. This is always a fluid situation. And, and I try to qualify that before getting into player-by-player breakdowns because I can tell you I've seen two different offensive linemen this camp work on something technically in individual drills with Alex Atkins, not understand it immediately. Like they almost have to you know train their body to do what he's asking them to do. It's, it looks foreign to them. And that screws up everything else about what they're doing when they have to go line up against the, the, the defense and they have to go head to head. They're still working on something in their mind and thinking while there's a live rep being practiced. And, you know, they lose because of that more consistently. Well, of course they will. And so am I going to write that that dude's not a good player? No, he's, he's working on something. So that's, uh, you know, I just want to caution everybody that when you get spring reports from us or wherever you get your, your reports on day to day happenings, I hope it's more chant first, you know. It's always a fluid situation. John Smoltz once in a spring training game got lit up for seven runs because he was working on a secondary pitch, and that's all he was throwing. And the media asked him, well, what gives? He said, well, I, I mean, I can breeze through six innings if I need to, but I'm working on stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that that the, the spring especially is all about. I, I talked to Chris Thompson about that before camp started. He goes, I love this. There's no game to prepare for. It's all about getting better. And sometimes you're going to look really, really bad before you make that leap. So, you know, that's what I, my soapbox moment. No, that's good. And I think it's important to really, when we're talking about the offensive line, I think that's the, that's, I keep reminding myself of that with the offensive line, because, you know, we, we're not talking out of school here. You know, people, we write stuff from practice, you know, the offensive line, there are stretches where they're still having a really tough time. Um, do I think they could put five guys out there right now that would give them a better chance? Yes. In, in, in maybe not in the places they're always working in practice, but I think there, this is a long-term development process in terms of long-term meaning over the course of this year to get ready for the season. And so, you know, I don't know, is Darius, Darius Washington moves around different positions. Do, do they end up having to go back to him at tackle or do bless Harris or Lloyd Willis or uh, one of these other guys step up at tackle? We still don't know. And you talked about the the learning curve. You know, I think bless Harris and Caden Lyles are two guys who physically are as impressive as anybody they have, but they're learning brand new offenses yeah. and, with new coaches and new teammates. And, you know, we talk about the offensive line continuity. They've had six practices, six, seven practices. So that's why, you know, I mean, just it's it's not smart to sit here and try to judge guys, but we do want to let you know what we're seeing. And, and right now, if they had to play the game today with the offensive line they've been putting out there, they'd have a tough time. But I think the idea is there's a bunch of guys who could develop over these next five or six months. And if, and if not, they can move guys back in the spots where they were before. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think, you know, Darius tomorrow, if they had to play him, they'd probably go back and tackle, right. put the tackle, and then maybe Caden Lyles and Maurice Smith are your combo on the inside somehow, some way. Um, but, you know, that's that, that's the fun of the journey. But they, they don't have to make a decision yet. When we get into fall camp, and, you know, no, no more two days, but we get into fall camp, 
that's when you have to make a decision on who your five are and then start to let them work together because the chemistry is a big deal on the offensive line too. But right now there's a lot of mixing and matching going on. Seeing some questions here on Sunday smash. We appreciate your feedback. We'll get to a few of those. Want to remind you, as you can see at the top of the screen, ABC fine wine and spirits has jumped aboard. Uh, they were with us for national signing day and that was a great fun. Uh, you've heard of them. If you live in the state of Florida, <laughs> they're everywhere. If you're, if you're older than 21 or pro- maybe if you're not, Yeah. And uh, if you want, they've got monthly deals. Uh, Go to abcfws.com slash deals. Matthew will wipe that up lower third. There it is. Uh, You know that you know where they are, folks. And remember, uh, there's always an occasion to get something for, for example, the final four. Go get you some white wine before you take in Duke and North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think North Carolina blew that lead like they did to Baylor and and still came out on top. They beat St. Peter's, didn't they? I think that's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were up by 20 with Lane. Should we. yeah, we should we should do like a live event, like a wine tasting event for that oh, game. That would be outstanding. <laughs> yeah, only only white wine, though. Only only the Grigio, uh, yeah, Chardonnay, whatever. Uh, it, it's got to be the white wine. And Joel Davis from the top rope. Joel, thank Joel. you so much for your contribution to the program. You are a regular on a lot of our. You're a, you're a pillar, sir. You sir are an absolute pillar. Can't wait to see you at the spring game as well. Uh, yeah, I agree that things look like they're turning around, Joel, but they just need to have some injury luck and, and we'll see what happens in the fall. And I also, Joel, you're next level, dude, because you're helping me segue to something else. One more promotion that we have. And real quick, just want to say it was good meeting you, Joel. We got to meet you a couple weeks ago, uh, out of practice. It was great to see you out there and, uh, and your friend and I look forward to seeing you, like you said, at the spring game. Yeah, that was wild. We had the Sunday smash. It was a Monday practice and he was just walking in a, in a slick leather jacket. I'm Joel. I'm Joel. Joel? Joel Davis. Oh, oh, Joel, Joel Davis. What's happening? So uh, for the spring game, uh, there, there you go, Ryan. I, I see you. Basketball. Uh, we've got a lot of events going on Friday and Saturday, and uh, Matthew will put them on the screen. Uh, on Friday, uh, I will be doing the Jeff Cameron Show with Jeff. That's not on location anywhere. Don't you worry about that. But after 3 p.m., we're going to head over to Corner Pocket Bar and Grill where Jeff and Corey are going to do the War Chant Happy Hour Live beginning at 5 p.m. So if you're in town, you get off the road or your flight has landed, come on over to the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, 2475 Appalachian Parkway. There'll be a lot going on. Baseball's opening day is the that Thursday, and it's also Masters weekend. So there'll be a lot of good stuff on the screens, and we can talk some Knowles as well. On Saturday, you can meet all of us. All right, we will be at Hotel Indigo on Gain Street. It overlooks Doe Campbell Stadium. It is brilliant and beautiful. We will be on the seventh floor, not to be confused with the Miami Hurricanes crew. We will be on the seventh floor of Hotel Indigo for a staff meet and greet from 12 to 3 p.m. And at 1 o'clock, we'll do a live pregame show. Jeff and I, and hey, if we can grab uh, some of the staff to hop on, uh, that would help because it's not on the radio. It's only going to be right here on War Chant TV. So make sure to like and subscribe. But it's going to be a busy weekend, Ira. Can't wait for it. And we uh, we can't wait to see everybody who uh, who enjoys what we do at War Chant TV at the CP or at Hotel Indigo. Yeah, for people that haven't been to Hotel Indigo, it's only been open for the last couple of years. Uh, I had not been there uh, you know, for an event, but we went and took a tour last week. Uh, you and I went different days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene and I went one day and it's an awesome setup because it literally we're going to be up on that top level overlooking it's open air and we're going to be overlooking where the tailgate lot is. We can see down to Madison social and college town. Uh, it's really a great location. Look aboard Jay green over there. who's a longtime uh, FSU fan and somebody we've interacted with. He's worked in radio before a good guy. And uh, so we're really looking forward to that event. Hopefully people can come out on that uh, before that game on Saturday. Yeah, Jay's good people, and uh, I understand that sometimes hotels frustrate you, but uh, if you have to choose one, choose Hotel Indigo because you're going to like it. You're going to really like everything about the location, the convenience, and that day for the meet and greet, there will be obviously uh, cocktails to be had, and there will there will be a buffet option as well. So we'll, we have you covered, Hotel Indigo, on spring game Saturday. Be sure and stop by. Um, hey, somebody asked earlier about uh, Brendan Gant. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, I haven't – seen him do a lot. He's made the transition to linebacker. I've really been so focused on Tatum Bethune. Uh, I'll try to pay more attention to Brandon Gant this week. Uh, I've really, I mean, I just can't say enough about Tatum Bethune. I mean, he, he, and I heard he had another good day at the scrimmage. I mean, he's just, you forget what it's like. And this isn't to, I mean, uh, there's no way to say it other than to slight uh, the guys who have been here for the last few years. But when, when, you know, when, when somebody's a linebacker and they're instinctual and they really just see it, 
they see it before it happens. And as it happens, it's just different, man. Those, those holes get filled quicker. They're the, the running game is not, it's just, it's just different. So it's such a really re- refreshing sight to see the way he plays linebacker. And you hope that that kind of elevates uh, some of those other guys, but I've been focused a lot on Tatum Bethune. So I apologize. For that. I'll try to watch more of it again. He hasn't necessarily flashed. And I think he's probably gonna have a tough time breaking into that top four rotation because you bring back three starters at linebacker, plus you bring in Tatum Bethune. Um, but I do think Brennan gets more suited up there. Uh, we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. I thought Amari Gaynor has had, uh, you know, a pretty good week. Yeah. Ira, again, you know, I, I don't always watch uh, those particular positions because I'm doing trench stuff, but I've noticed 33 a little bit more. And one other player who stood out, if you're looking for, you know, uh, the dark horse candidates that position, Omar Graham. Yeah. Omar Graham has flashed at times. And uh, that looks like that was a good get. It looks like a lot of these players they brought in, Ira, it, it, they've got an idea, like, they circled, you know, low four-star, high three-star players in a lot of these situations, but you can tell they fit what FSU is trying to do. Bishop Thomas and Daniel Lyons look like they're both going to be hits. Um, Omar Graham obviously looks pretty good. And you can see from Ken- uh, Kenia Charlton and Daughtry Richardson, while they're raw uh, and they're clearly, I mean, it's your their bodies aren't Their bodies aren't where they need to be. No, no. Kenia's got to trade about 30 bad pounds and put on 15 good. But, I mean, he looks and, and, and Daughtry's got to pick up some. Yeah. Yes, that yeah, maybe that that they can transfer from one <laughs> to the other, uh, and and there are some you know it, they should be a prom right now and not blocking twenty two year old dudes are trying to do so, uh, but it looks like a lot of these young newcomers, uh, these early enrollees, that's what spring used to be about before the transfer portal was looking at early enrollees, AJ Duffy included. It looks like they did a pretty good job with this recruiting class. Yeah, I agree. And uh, back to Omar Graham, I think the thing you know, I, every time I hear his name or every time I see him do something in practice. I immediately reflect back to those uh, recruiting breakdowns we did with Dominic Robinson back before uh, signing day. And, and D-Rob, uh, when he back went and watched his film, he really was high on, on uh, Omar because he said he's one of those guys that knows how to strip the football. He's always around the football. He makes he creates turnovers. And I asked him, I was like, is that – because we watched him work on those drills, like force, stripping the ball and those kinds of things. Is that something that can be learned or is it something you, it's innate? And D-Rob said it kind of is mostly innate. Like you, it's knowing when, I always think back to the play that Miami-Alabama game when I think it was Teague that ran behind and like punched the ball out. Like there's certain guys, Honey Badger, there are certain guys who have that knack for knocking the ball out, knowing the timing and where to grab the football. And I think Omar Graham's one of those kinds of guys. I'm not saying he's that level of, uh, of superstars or college All-Americans. But you see that playmaking ability. Well, and and he's not somebody that's going to be starting tomorrow. But it's just it's it looks like a nice get and somebody that you know again that better clay is coming to Tallahassee to be molded. You talked about it in the running back room too. But uh, yeah, these young eighteen year olds they they look pretty good. Uh, and good job by the the scouting of uh, this coaching staff. Carol, ask a question. Uh, well, actually, okay, let's Matthew go back with get down or, or lay down. Let's see uh, what would you guess the hit rate is with recruits. I mean, it's hard to say since the whole class isn't here, but I haven't looked at a guy yet, Ira, that's gotten here from the 2022 class and said, why, why is he at Florida State? Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think their hit rate's pretty high. Now, last year's class, there's probably a couple, um, a few probably, that uh, because they were coming off of that COVID year yep, and didn't yep. get to see all of those guys in person. Uh, this was the first class that they've actually been able to go out and, and see these guys in person. You know, it's still early to know for sure about the offensive linemen. I'll tell you the, the position group I'm super impressed by is those young defensive linemen. Man, I, like, again, when you look at when you look at freshmen, the question is, okay, can he help early or what's the upside? And I think that defensive line, first of all, as you mentioned, Daniel Lyons is a guy who might be able to help early. Yes. Uh, but the other guys like Dante Anderson, I mean, that you just that's an NFL frame. Daniel Lyons, um, the uh, – Bishop Aaron, Thomas. Bishop Thomas, I mean, good grief, man. That dude's going to be – I mean, you could see him being like a Robert Cooper kind of guy or maybe more athletic. And then I really like uh, Aaron Hester. So I think they I think they hit – I don't know if they're all home runs, but I think they hit some triples um, at least and maybe a couple home runs in that defensive line group. And, again, you're not going to see the returns on that necessarily right away. But, man, there's a lot more to work with with those defensive linemen than a lot of the defensive linemen we've seen come through over the last few years. Yeah, from, the, the, from the freshman ranks. You know. Yeah, of the four guys you mentioned, um, Hester, Anderson, Bishop Thomas, and Daniel Lyons, I would rank 
Daniel Lyons number one and maybe Bishop Thomas Bishop number, number two, two. Yeah. in terms of what they could do sooner rather than right. later. Yeah. I well, agree. 10 reps with Daniel Lyons could be actually a scary thing. He already is somebody that I would think about on third and obvious because it's more about the quicks in that situation. You don't have to play super disciplined if you're pinning your ears back and going after the quarterback. He might be a dude right now that I say, get him on the field, but that's a loaded position group. I think that's easily the most loaded position group on the team when you have uh, two mainstays and Cooper and Love it back and Malcolm Ray looks like a force this yeah. spring camp. And that's, you know, Jared Jackson, who we mentioned as well. Uh, they've got a ton of bodies in the defensive interior, which is a good thing to see. So Carol's question here is an interesting one because now that we're getting into week three of spring camp, you're starting to see where the holes are in the roster. And I understand attrition has to be worked out in order for spots to open up. Uh, but let's say I or they had two two spots open to go and dip back into the transfer portal this summer. Where would you go first and second uh, to improve this this team if you're Mike Norvell? Yeah, and, and just real quick on the note of the scholarship, where they are in terms of scholarships, Corey and Aslan and I were texting about this a couple of days ago. If you look at the roster, you know, it looks like they're over 85, all things considered. If all the freshmen who, because a few freshmen have not arrived yet, they'll be arriving this summer, those linemen and uh, Armella and Jalen Early and some of those guys. Um, if all, if everybody stays and those guys, FSU 91 on the tribal council is always breaking it down as well. Uh, they're right now, it looks like they would be a few over. Uh, one thing, two things I would say, number one is, I do think some guys at the end of the spring may decide they don't love the depth chart, and so they may look elsewhere. Um, I also think there's – it's not – every guy that we always think is on scholarship isn't necessarily always on scholarship. I'll just say that. I'm not going to say who, but there there sometimes are one or two guys who are not really on scholarship. Maybe they've got academic aid from a different way or, or, or excuse me, financial aid through a different way. Um, so, you know, I just say, I don't know that you can always go hundred percent by the numbers you believe. Um, but I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I, th I do think they'll be able to bring in two or three more transfers. Uh, my number one would be uh, based on what we've seen so far, I think they might need to get a tackle. Um, yeah, yeah. and that's not to say that, I mean, again, there's still five, six months and maybe bless Harris could be that guy, but I don't know that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they expected bless Harris to be a day one starter. I didn't get that impression from just talking to people around the program. Right. Um, so maybe, you know, Dylan Gibbons didn't come until the summer. So maybe that's still an option to go get a tackle this off season, unless they, you know, Alex Atkins knows a lot more than either one of us. So I mean, if they feel good about what they've got, mm -hmm. maybe Lloyd Willis or bless Harris or, you know, somebody else. But right now I would say offensive tackle would be my first spot. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit better about defensive end. Maybe yep. I, I just think at that point it's best available. If there was a superstar corner that got in, because I, same thing with the running backs. I don't know that there's an elite corner other than maybe, I mean, I think Omari Cooper's a really yeah. good corner. Yeah. I don't, there's a bunch of guys at the other corner. I don't know if there's an elite corner. So if one of those became available, maybe. Um, yeah. Well, how about you? I, I agree. It, it, corner is an interesting one. Uh, it's not because Brownlee departed necessarily, but no. you're just looking for that second answer. You know, you're looking for the second guy that you know you've got that on lock because. You know, if it's Knowles, then you still have to replace somebody in the slot. Um, you know, I was told before camp started that they're, they're going to try Greedy Vance in the middle right. to see if they can get Knowles to the outside. I haven't seen too much of that just yet, uh, but they are going to cross-train. That's what spring is all about is cross-training. Um, yeah, tackle, I think so. I think so, Ira. Um, or best available offensive lineman in general. Because let's say that right. you find another guard that you really like. Right. I'm okay with it because that, that slides Darius back to right tackle or less could be that player. It would be nice to have a, a plus tackle. I mean, it would be nice to have I, – I just think – and, again, maybe Darius, if he was working a tackle more, mm -hmm. maybe we'd feel differently. He's learning guard. You know, he's he's yep. getting yep. so many reps at guard, which has got to be a challenge for him because he's played mostly tackles. He's, he's floated a little bit in the past, but he's getting so much guard now that, it, you know, maybe it's unfair to judge him on that. Um, based on six, seven practices, it doesn't look like he's necessarily the answer. It doesn't jump out at you that he's the answer. Um, so, yeah, maybe if he goes back to tackle, maybe he's – I just don't know if him and Robert Scott, even a year older, solve your problem to tackle. Maybe they do. Yeah, no, I think it's probably league average, uh, ACC league average at this point. Um, again, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to you know sit on this hill and die on it, but I, I like where Bless Harris is in his game already, and I like where it's going to go. I think he's going to be a solid player for you, but if you can find a better one, by all means, by all well, means. And, and, same, 
And same thing at corner, right? Like the future is super bright there with Azaria Thomas. And yep. we yep. talk about Kevin Knowles, Marion Cooper, Azaria Thomas, Sam McCall. Uh, I mean, if Demore Tate comes around, I mean, they're, Hunter Washington was highly they, – they've got a lot of talent, young talent. I just don't know if they've got two-plus corners right now right? Uh, going into the season. Yeah, and I see Ryan Cooper and Knowles would be just fine. Yeah, agreed. But, you know, you need three of them, especially the way that, you know, college offenses are run. You need – that's yeah. your base almost. That's your basis to have there. Uh, I thought Sam McCall, um, in the beginning, our first week of camp, first few days, it was all about number 20, Zari Thomas. But as the pads came on, Sam McCall's looked sharp. He's had more than a couple moments where you go, oh, okay, that's why you're a five-star. You know what I also like about Sam McCall? And this is like, it's a little thing that just being out there, we get to see. But his he's got big personality, mm-hmm. and he's sharp, like mentally sharp. Like you just, he's quick-witted. You know, like the other day with Norvell kind of, Yep. you know, kind of shot a little joke at him and he shot a joke right back at him. And, and he's, tell, he, he's, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just, yeah. he's, there's something that's, you know, it, it says something. And yeah. And I, and I agree with you hundred percent. And I heard McCall had a, some nice plays at the scrimmage as well. So yeah, I mean, I think the future there is super bright. It's just, you know, do you, I, because the season's so important because Florida state, if this was year one or year two for Mike Norvell, I'd be like, man, throw those guys out there. Ton yep. of talent, growing pains, people live with it. But man, they have to win games. You know, they have to win. You gotta go. Gotta win. Gotta win. <laughs> you know, really important to win seven games. I think for the staff for the future. And so, you know, you'd like to find some quicker fixes, and not experience all those growing pains on Saturday. There would be hype overload from the fan base, not from us at Warchant.com. If they start two and zero, and you've got a bye week before the Friday game at Louisville, I mean, people would be going nuts for that game. I think uh, some Knowles might change their mind and, and book flights to go see that Friday night on the road. If they start fast, then it changes the conversation. But you're right. As it stands right now, you're in desperate need of a good start. Well, and I'll, I'll say this about that Louisville game, not to get off on a tangent, but I've, I've said from the beginning, I think that game might be the most important game of the season because if you lose to LSU, man, it's not the end of the world. It's at, in New Orleans. Um, it's best a 50-50 game, even with all the losses there. But that Louisville game, you know, for Florida State to get back to where they're going to win seven games or maybe eight games, they have to beat Louisville, especially when they've got two weeks to prepare and Louisville had UCF on the road the Saturday before. It's a good spot. Yes, it's on the road. But, man, I really feel like that's a game Florida State needs to win. So if they're 2-0, and it's a huge game. But I think even if they're 1-1, and I think it's a huge game. Yeah, uh, no doubt. It, it feels like the wake game did when we were looking at last year's schedule. Um, it didn't turn out that way because you go zero and four, so it doesn't matter. But it just when you looked at it, you thought, "Oh man, this could really swing the season one way or the other." And that you're right; it's weird too because you have an early buy and then it's a Friday night game. It's it's just going to be kind of a strange deal. But then when it happens and that ball kicks off, I think a lot of hearts are going to be in throats uh, for that particular game. Let me bring up Brian's comment real quick, Matthew. Uh, I saw you put it up earlier, Brian. First of all, thank you for your contribution to the program. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate it. Hasn't heard anything about Keyshawn Helton and uh, Demory Tate. Uh, Helton being a super senior, I would think that should be he's doing his thing in practice. Uh, I'll, I'll answer about Helton real quick. I noticed him more before spring break than I have since spring break. Um, but yeah, in the grand scheme of receivers who have flashed, uh, he's he's a little bit down the list, probably about fifth or sixth on that list. And then Demory Tate, uh, I'll you know, I, I, at times he flashes. But uh, Ira, what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Keyshawn Helton's one of those guys that you love in your program. And, you know, I think that where Florida State was a year ago at wide receiver, you really needed Keyshawn Helton to make a big step and, and try to be a guy that you could be counted on. They've raised the the quality of that room to such a level where now Keyshawn, he's going to have to fight for a role. I mean, the fact that he's a super senior doesn't mean anything anymore or a super junior or whatever he is at this point. Um, because, you know, again, he doesn't, he doesn't have the measurables of some of those other guys. I mean, Johnny Wilson's a beast at six seven, uh, you know, running like a, a big wide receiver. Uh, Deuce Span again hasn't been super productive, but man, the the you see how high the ceiling is there. The way Micah Pittman has played lately, um, and then the way the other some of the other younger receivers who do have the measurables have stepped up, Darian Williamson and Kentron Portier yeah. and some of those guys. So, you know, Keyshawn's going to have to fight for a role. Um, but, you know, he just hasn't made a bunch of plays, as you said so far. Demore Tate, listen, if you went out there to practice, if if, he, if the fans went out there to practice tomorrow, and I'm sure they've seen him in videos and different things, and, he, and you looked at the defensive defensive backs lined up in a row, Demore Tate's the one you'd look at and say, man, and well, now they've got a couple others 
But Demari Tate looks like an NFL defensive back physically. 6'1", really put together, can really run. Um, and he's getting more run now with the main groups. You know, he's getting more runs now with the, the top players. Last year, he was a lot of times with the scout team. And so he was basically – he was a redshirt freshman who sat out the year before because of academics. So this is his second year in the program. He's working his way in. And, uh, man, again, if he can put it together, the sky's the limit because from an NFL – from a body standpoint, he looks like an NFL defensive back. And there have been moments. Like, you know, last year, again, like you're talking about running with a scout team, there's no reason to bring him up. Right. I know that it because he's such a highly rated recruit, we get questions about him all the time. He was basically a true freshman last year even though he wasn't. Right. Exactly. And and this year, this camp, uh, first week, I remember when we were sitting up at Hauser, I was like, oh, who made that play? Oh, Demori. Okay. So it's it's happened a few times. And there is a lot of opportunity right now, like we've talked about uh, at length tonight, at that second corner position. There are snaps to be had. The that's pad- Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, man, but that's why I'm kind of excited about the cornerback position with Jarvis leaving. And, and just to touch on Brownlee leaving, like I like Jarvis Brownlee. He's Miami kid, so he's got a – the soft spot in my heart for the Miami kid. I like Jarvis Brownlee. Um, but the ceiling was the ceiling for Jarvis. Um, you know, I like these other guys may not be able to play as well as him today, but I really feel like the upside for a lot of these guys is higher. And now they've got a bigger opening, you know, and sometimes, you know, I mean, Jarvis Brownlee started so many games the last two years that some of those guys may have felt like they didn't have a chance. And that can affect your preparation. Well, now, man, it's a wide open competition. It may bring out more from some of those guys. Oh, I, that that goes back to the old uh, Bobo Wilson Kermit Whitfield days of receiver. If you don't feel like you can uh, unseat those two for whatever freaking reason, uh, you might get a little bit angry and uh, complacent in in your drills. But yeah, you can sense it in practice, and and even uh, before Jarvis left the program. You could sense it those first few days that, oh, yeah, this is going to be a battle. And, and it's a fluid situation that's going to run all the way through fall camp. One other defensive back that's often asked about, Carol has the question here, any news or updates on Travis J after the scrimmage? Um, Ira, would you like to address that one? Yeah, just that um, – and we don't know have any idea the severity of it, but um, tr- Travis was seen around campus uh, today with crutches. So uh, Mike Norvell said there was a couple guys that got banged up in the scrimmage, you know, We'll have to we'll have to see. I mean, I don't know. We haven't got anything definitive. Hopefully, it's just a sprained ankle mm-hmm. or something like that. We'll have to see. But um, he did, sounds like he's one of the guys that got banged up. We don't know of anything serious that happened in the scrimmage. Um, but but there was talk to Travis, uh, and he's been working at safety for people that haven't been reading the daily updates, which you should. You should go read all of our content at WarChant.com. But Travis has been working at safety uh, all spring and is trying to kind of. Last year they tried him at corner more. This year, uh, going back to safety, and uh, we'll see if he can have some success. You know, getting healthy is going to be uh, probably most important right now for him. As we're hitting about 745, last 10, 15 minutes of the show tonight, want to remind everybody to hit the like button underneath this video. See a few hundred of you out there. Please hit the like button. It helps us find more FSU fans. And if you have not done so, subscribe to Warchant TV. It's completely free. And you'll thank yourself for it because uh, you won't have to go looking for us. Warchant TV will populate right there, the home screen on your YouTube app or on YouTube.com. Whichever way you get to it, you'll find our content right there. We thank you for your support. So I guess, Ira, I mean, this is going to change, and that's the fun part about spring practice is you, is you ride the highs and lows for each individual player, and that builds the story. But if you were looking to set your starting secondary right now for FSU, how would you put them together? Uh, I mean, I definitely – Amarian Cooper and Jamie Robinson are, are two locks. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen anything from Akeem Dent that makes me think he, he shouldn't be the other starting safety. So I feel like those three are probably in place. Um, and then I think, you know, it, 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 Nickel, love Kevin Knowles. I think he stays there. And if I had to pick somebody at corner right now. That's close. <sighs> if this one's a close I, one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, Greedy Vance seems a little hit or miss to me, like so far. You know, it's like nice play, broken play. Um, I haven't seen Renardo Green really get beat much. And, uh, and I liked – I really liked – the play he had, I think it was on Thursday, real early on where he stripped the ball out of Johnny Wilson's arms um, and, and pounced on it real quickly. And um, I'm getting a little bit more, you know, enthusiastic about Renardo Green. So right now I, I might go with Renardo Green as the other corner. How about you? I agree. Uh, I was I was wondering if you were going to say Greedy Vance. Um, so uh, we, we are in total agreement on the five and where they line up right now. Uh, Renardo's gotten some important reps 
Uh, he's been put in good situations. Obviously, when they go individual and seven on seven, you're going to see every receiver pretty much if you're a defensive back and vice versa for the receivers. But I haven't noticed R- Renardo in the wrong way. Sometimes right, exactly. as much as, you know, like uh, I put in the write-up on the offensive line. Um, I, I noticed Robert Scott a little bit more this week. I was a little, I thought he, he was off to a shakier start before they went on spring break, but I, I thought he's more solid. And the reason is because I didn't notice him because you're not like, Oh no, that, that was just a complete collapse on the left side of the defensive line. There have been sequences where some defensive backs and individual drills like, Oh, there goes that guy getting roasted again. I don't see that with Renardo. Right. Now, you know, uh, that's, you know, the better you are, the less the, of the football you see. Remember the usage rate or the target rate of Xavier Rhodes before he left Tallahassee and uh, Asante Samuel Jr. before he left Tallahassee. People just didn't throw his way, yeah. uh, their way. Um, Renardo looks to be more solid than I ever would have thought. I thought it was a nice story that he was wearing a black jersey at the tour of duty. You know, <laughs> yeah. all right, he's invested. Right, exactly. Good for number eight. Hey, how about that? It's not a laughing matter anymore. Uh, I think he's squarely in the mix to win that job. Yeah, and I actually went back and watched because I had forgotten he played corner four years ago. He played corner as a freshman, and they actually played him a good bit. There was a game midway back. I went back and um, looked at his PFF grades to see which which games he had the most snaps in. And there was a game like midway through that season as a freshman where he played like 40 or 50 snaps at corner and, uh, you know, I think had some potential there. I think they moved him to safety. He's got good size, and I think that – they were trying to solve a problem there, but I, I think he may be better suited at corner. And so, you know, it's good that he's responded. And they said that now he's healthy. He's had five or six months where he's been healthy. That's big. Hey, I've seen a couple of people ask about Tate Rodemaker. Can we talk about Tate Rodemaker a little bit? Let's do it. Matthew can find one of those questions. Um, I want to clear the air, man, because I, you know, I don't respond to everybody on Twitter, but I do pay attention to Twitter. And uh, man, there is a lot of, and if you say something positive about Tate Rodemaker, there are a bunch of people who want to tell you that, it's BS. Tate looks good, man. I mean, he looks good. I don't, if you, if you're out there, if you've been out there for every practice and we've been out there for every practice, I missed one. Tom, you, I think you've been out there for every I practice. Perfect attendance, right? I got that sticker that the teachers you, give up. You got it. I lost mine on Friday when we took the family to Orlando, but um, I did have it last season, as you said. But uh, if you've been out there for all these practices, I mean, he, he doesn't look like what you have in your mind of what Tate Rodemaker is. And that Thursday was ridiculous. I mean, he, I mean, yeah. he and Jordan were going. He, I thought he was a better quarterback in the day. And Jordan, Jordan played really well, especially yeah. at the end. So, and and to, when I say that, Jordan Travis is a starting quarterback. But what Tate I think has shown is, man, he could play if they need him to play. Based on what we've seen in these first seven practices, he could play. And if people are telling you he can't, they're basing that I think on what they've seen in the past when he right. was thrown into action as a true freshman, which I don't think was fair. Uh, I, I'll, I have no problem telling anybody who asks. I believe Tate Rodemaker can play. Yeah, and and Gregory, that's true. The stakes are high because Jordan Travis just does not have the track record to suggest that he's going to play all twelve games. If it happens, it's a bonus, and it probably moves the FSU win total count up uh, by a half a game in terms of your over under that you're setting, maybe a full game. Um, but I kind of asked this question about Tate Rodemaker earlier in the show, Ira, when I said if you've got two spots, where are you going shopping in the transfer portal? And it's not right. quarterback, and I agree. I totally agree. Uh, a lot of plays that Tate are making right now are plays where he has to be perfect because he's running out of time. You understand the code, everybody? There was There's not a lot of time for him to make some decisions. But there's more than there was last year when he was behind the third team offensive line. And, and that's so, – I mean, yes, go ahead. You go What's well, the conversation we had after practice? We were talking yes. about that as we were walking out the other day. I mean, the thing about – you know, and this is – I feel bad for Tate, and this is, you know, from from one standpoint. So he has that ridiculous freshman year where they're having to put him out there in games when he has no idea what he's doing, and he's – I mean, it was just ridiculous. Putting him in that Jacksonville State game. Now, I'm still, I'm still mad at Norvell why, or Kenny Dillingham. Why are you throwing the ball off your goal line yeah. with a kid with a true freshman? I mean, it's just – should he have thrown that ball? No. You should not have called that play. Um, but anyway, I you know, I, I think it was totally unfair what he was asked to do that year. And then last year – how much was his development stunted by being the fourth quarterback? Yeah. Because now he's, I mean, even when he was with the offense, he was always with maybe the threes, whatever the threes could be, because they only didn't really even have a third team offensive line. They're just grabbing people off the street to play offensive line. And then when he got in, um, and then, you know, I mean, he then he ended up playing mostly scout team during the season, a lot of scout team during the season. So how much development do you have? I also think, Having a uh, this is something we haven't really written about or talked about, but somebody pointed this out to me. 
having a quarterbacks coach who just coaches quarterbacks, I think is going to be really good for those quarterbacks because Kenny Dillingham had to, fo- Kenny Dillingham had to focus on the entire offense. Tony Tokars is focused on those three or four dudes. And I think that's going to be good for them. So, man, I just don't think you can compare, uh, you know, what we saw from Taylor Rodemaker in the past compared to what he is now. He's a different guy, completely different guy. So let's address that real quick because practice does look a little bit differently. Again, I've been focused a little bit more elsewhere, but, um, you know, the presence of Kenny Dillingham was felt on a practice field. He's a loud dude. Uh, and he's funny. I, I miss that. I laugh once or twice <laughs> in practice because you just hear something weird. You're like, wow, that, that is, he is a strange man. Um, but how would you compare looking at offensive drills without Kenny and having tow cars there? And obviously Alex Atkins is working with the offensive line, even though he's co-offensive coordinator. Uh, how does it look and sound to you uh, compared to last year? And, and obviously you think it's good for the quarterbacks. So they have a position coach, but what, what stands out to you about that? You know, it is interesting. They do, they do some different uh, drills a little bit different, uh, which is kind of interesting to me. Like I kind of always figured like Mike Norvell, it's his offense at the end of the day. And they're, for better or worse, are probably kind of his quarterbacks. I mean, it's if it's his offense, he's going to very, be very focused on the quarterbacks. He's nowhere near as focused on the quarterbacks as Jimbo was. But it's still, you know, so you, I would have thought the preparation would be the same. They do some different drills. Um, I also think Tony's got um, – Kenny had a, kind of a biting tongue. Like you said, he was funny. Um, but his – you know, he, he was kind of more emotional um, yeah. and would kind of react in a big way you know, in a big way to, to good things and bad things. You like know, just, Yes. You could just, you could, as you could said, like where, where we watch practice from, you know, we're up high, we have a great view, but we can't always hear everything, but you could hear Kenny, Tony, yeah. you're not going to hear as much. I think it's more subdued. It's more conversational to me. My impression is, you know, Kenny was kind of much more magnified and Tony's probably a little bit more um, subdued. Yeah, uh, agreed across the across the board there. And and the interview with uh, Tony Tokars, uh, Jeff Cameron did it for us here at Warchain TV. You can search for that and find it right now on Warchain TV. But you get the sense that Tony is a much more laid back in the cut type dude. There's right. intensity, but he's but he's a hell of a lot more quiet. Uh, but Steve, I've heard but I've heard that the the re- returns from the players they like him a lot. Uh, we've heard recruits like him a lot. So it seems to be, you know, a lot of people are concerned about that hire because they promoted from within. But I think. From everything we're hearing, the people, players, and people around the program uh, are have liked what he's brought to that position. Steve A., we really appreciate your contribution to the program here. Uh, if you've got a question, Matthew will be on Thanks, the lookout Steve. for it. Um, but if you've got a question or anything else uh, that you'd like to bring to the table, we'll be happy to answer it in these last 10 minutes that we have here. Uh, Matthew, I saw your comment, Director Matthew, that he played uh, guard for the third team last year. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, if you had gone out there – and thrown on some pads in a in like a sixty-two number, they might have put you a guard. Yeah, there wouldn't have been much of a difference. Uh, <laughs> you know, one thing, you know, our the chemistry between quarterbacks and receivers is a very, very important thing. Um, Jakai Douglas and, and Jordan Travis seem to have that. Whatever it is, they do. But a guy that works well with Tate is Kentron. Poison. Isn't it amazing? Why is that? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. But eighteen and eighty-eight go together. Like they have since he's. They have since they've been here. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, Tate, and even before Tate played like he's playing right now, you know, going back to last season, last spring, Tate throwing back shoulder passes to Kentron Portier is is just a thing of beauty. Now, the thing with Kentron is, you know, can he make that next step to, to where he can run other routes and be a dependable guy? Because he's another guy that, uh, you know, I'd like to see the light. Now, I'm not saying the light come on. I, I'm curious what he has to do. I'd like to – I need to – at yeah. some point, talk more to Ron Dugans and, and Mike Norvell to see what Kentron needs to do to to make more of an impact because, you know, he catches the ball. He's pretty consistent catching the ball. He's awesome on those fades and those back shoulder throws from Tate. Uh, Tate really likes him a lot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if if he can kind of push his way into that rotation. Yeah, um, I, he's he's now in the conversation. I did not expect that. When, when we're looking at the numbers and the transfers coming in and, and you're looking at the roster, day one of spring camp, and you're thinking, all right, who's not going to make it? You know, and, and will they stick it out? Kentron was, for me, on that uh, that list. And then by practice three, I, think, uh, I thought, well, no, he, he might actually get some game reps. He might get some time. And he's another guy who I don't think played much receiver or didn't was not polished coming up. I think he was a basketball player, kind of like Lloyd Willis. I think both of those guys were kind of reaches from, I think, the previous staff. And, you know, hey, they've got some measurables. Let's try to make it work. But they're going to be project guys. 
And now, I mean, you're talking about three, third or fourth year. It's time to, you know, see if they can actually play. Like Kenny Dillingham uh, criticizing a quarterback, you know, Brian himself has a, an impassioned plea here with a contribution saying, more likes. The passion is there from Brian. We appreciate you, Brian. Hit those thumbs up buttons. And again, for your second contribution to the program tonight, we we really do appreciate it. What are you going to be looking for this week, Ira? Is there something in, you know, in particular that either I got to get to this player, I've got to watch this player or a different facet of the way camp is run? Um, you know, it's, it's getting routine. Like we know the order of the drills. We know what periods like we're getting into the workflow, but you've got to find something for me. It's going to be the defensive line. I'll be looking at the defensive line a lot this week. What are you going to focus on? Just going back to Brian's question, Brian, I think Brian might be a dad because just the, <laughs> the line about all you have to do is move your thumb. Just move your thumb. I just, I just vision myself with my kids. It's like, look, your glass is on the table yeah. and you're about to walk from the living room to the kitchen, just pick up the glass. Just take it with you. Anyway. Um, Boy, no, I, I, that, that, uh, I feel attacked. <laughs> you're seen? You've been I've seen? been seen with the glass moving. Yeah. Jamie, if Jamie watches this, she'll be like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, she's nodding downstairs. I can just feel it. And she's staring daggers through me. <laughs> uh, I, You know, to be two things, uh, one thing right off the bat is, and I know you're going to transition a little bit to the defensive line this week. Yeah. You've yeah. been so focused on the offensive line. I want to spend a little bit more time with the offensive line, especially uh, bless Harris, because I do think it's they're nearing a point over these next couple of weeks where they have to decide whether or not one of those guys can play tackle or they're going to have to go into the portal. So I want to watch them a little bit. I also want to watch Caden Lyles a little bit more to see how that development's going. So I've, I've kind of stayed away from the offensive line a lot because you've been so focused on it, uh, and some of the other guys have as well. We have folks, we have eight people sometimes at practice, so we have a lot of people – uh, yeah. watching practice, but I'm going to maybe watch that a little bit more. And then um, I also probably some of the, the other freshmen that I haven't um, spent a lot of time looking at yet. Um, you know, we talked about Omar Graham uh, is a guy that I probably want to see a little bit more of and, and still those young DBs. Cause in, you know, Adam Fuller, we can't talk about depth charts too much, but Adam Fuller mentioned that they've kind of uh, had, you know, the young corners, Zaria Thomas and Sam McCall getting a lot of reps, but not necessarily with the top group. They, they, they mix them in some uh, in the scrimmage, but um, I'm going to make more of an effort, I think, to try to watch them a little bit. How, yeah, how about you? It'll be the defensive line, and then when I can watch team, I, I do want to take a look and, and see a little bit more of the defensive backs just to see how they're handling each individual matchup. My eyes right now are focused on the trenches, but it's a little bit easier to watch the D-line and kind of move your eyes around because, it, you know, if they win a battle, you're going to know it by the end of the play because it's going to fundamentally affect the play or, or stuff a run or whatever. Uh, but I, I just want to see – like with Greedy Vance, you're right. He's had his moments, and he's definitely a physical player. If you get an ACC crew that does not like contact, Jamie Robinson and Greedy Vance are uh, two candidates who are going to hey. be <laughs> Well, and that's the thing. And if Jarvis was, if Jarvis was still out here, like oh, that's yeah. that's part of the reason. Like, like there were times in practice where I thought Jarvis was way better than he really was because man, he held all the time. Just like in Jamie's physical, very physical, and Greedy Vance is very very physical. We need to see all of them in a game situation with with referees. I mean, Jamie can adjust, obviously, yep. um, but but yeah, Greedy's physical. Greedy Vance is physical. He's also a guy who can make plays on the ball. Um, you just you know, just not making mistakes. I think is going to be the a key. Agreed. This is something I wanted to watch. I'll probably get to it maybe uh, final week of camp. But uh, how good are the linebackers in coverage? That's been a real problem for a long time. What, what have you seen from Tatum Bethune and, and some of those guys in terms of their development this year? I've seen some real nice things from Tatum Bethune in terms of um, with some screens and things like that. You know, they haven't um, they haven't attacked the middle of the field as you know from what the parts we've seen or what I've been watching in terms of tight ends, you know, and, and some of the slants and things like that. That um, where some of the where the linebackers have had to cover somebody across the field where they've been exposed. I just haven't seen that much of that. Um, a lot of the throws have been more on the perimeter. I think part of that's by design. Again, we talked about, we don't always know what the objective is. I think they came into this camp trying to emphasize throw, pushing the ball down the field because we've got better offensive linemen in their mind, better receivers. And now it's to these quarterbacks to hang in there and push the ball down the field. So I think that's been the focus. That's so it hasn't been a lot of on the crossing stuff. So we haven't seen a lot, but I have seen Tatum particularly snuffing out some screens and things like that. Um, you know, Amari can run. 
Kalen DeLoach can run. Uh, DJ, that's you know something he's got to work on, but he's in better shape. So I think that'll get better. But I just, I, unless you've seen, I just haven't seen a lot of opportunities for that so far. No, the same thing. Uh, you know, Amari Gaynor seems to be in the right spot more often. I thought that was kind of a trend towards the end of last year. I don't know how many reps he's going to play uh, in a given game. If you've got 80 snaps for the other offense, how many is he going to be out there on the field for? But it, it's just I'm noticing more to, in the right places rather than just being completely confused. Uh, I saw one question. This will probably be the last one for me, and then Ira, we can uh, get to your final thoughts and, and wrap for the night. But there's a question about Johnny Wilson, and uh, you know, are you seeing his ability to use his body and, and do that kind of stuff that a big receiver should do? He made one play that really jumped out to me this week. It was one of the better plays I saw, and there were a lot of good ones. Uh, it was a throw by Jordan Travis. It was a deep post down the middle of the field in one particular drill, and you're not going to make that throw to Keyshawn Helton or Pokey Wilson. You're only right. going to make that type of throw with that trajectory to Johnny Wilson. He goes up and he gets it through contact, comes down with a big play. I've seen some, the answer for me is I've seen some flashes from Johnny Wilson. He definitely knows how to use his body. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's an incomplete grade because he's so new to the offense. Yeah. And he's, look, he's better than I thought he was going to be. He's more ready than I thought he was going to be. You know, he, 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 because of injuries, he didn't play a ton. The last couple of years, he was obviously highly regarded. Um, but when you watch him in drills, again, it's one of those guys that from a physical standpoint, you don't have a lot of guys like that. And and nobody's got a lot of guys like that. Um, and he, what he surprised me with is some of the body control, um, the ability to make some contested catches. He's a competitive kid. We saw that on film. One of the things that a lot of people liked on film from him when he was at Arizona State is he, he'll stick his nose in there. He likes to block. He's a physical guy. Sometimes with a taller receiver – you know, it's kind of like a, a skinny, tall post player, like Solomon Alibi or somebody like that in basketball, where they can, you know, they've got the height, but then get pushed around. Greg Carr, somebody like that. He's, you know, Johnny Wilson's not afraid of contact. He's made contested catches. So there's a lot to work with there. Um, you know, I think he's had some drops here and there uh, probably, but I think overall he's been better than I expected. I think he'll be a weapon. There's no doubt. I, I don't know if, if he, in the NFL, maybe he's a tight end. If he, if he, he might that be that kind of guy. I don't know if he stays at receiver his whole college career because uh, he's such a big dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they, I think they definitely have something to work with there. Yeah, Deuce Span is a, is a project. Johnny more Wilson, of a project. Yeah, right. yeah, Johnny Wilson, not so much. Uh, I think that's how I'd put it. Um, but right. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him get more time out there with with all the quarterbacks over the next couple of weeks. Um, eight, Fourteen is somebody you, you want to watch for in the spring game. I saw a question that said, "Where can I watch the scrimmage?" You can't. You know, there is there is no access to the scrimmage it is it was closed to us uh so you know whatever highlight reels the social media team for florida state puts out there that's we all see the same thing yeah. uh, the garnet gold game on, on youtube yeah that'll be there uh the, the regular spring game will be on tv one more promo before we go uh again for spring game weekend if you're traveling to tallahassee for the spring game you can come meet us at various places as my hamstring cramps up ira this is incredible pain <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta uh, get it out we're almost done Friday at 5 o'clock, that, that is, wow. Uh, 5 o'clock, War Chant Happy Hour Live, Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. It'll be Jeff and Corey taking the stage for War Chant Happy Hour, which will be right here on War Chant TV. But if you want to hang out with us, I know I'll be there uh, doing the producing and such. There'll be the Masters on TV. Uh, baseball will be on TV, Major League Baseball, Florida State stuff. Uh, hang out with us on Friday at CP 2475 Appalachian Parkway. And on Saturday, as you're around the tailgate lots, it's not that far of a walk, everybody. It's right next to College Town. Pretty much is College Town. Hotel Indigo on Gain Street. We will be on the seventh floor outdoor deck. You can see Doak Campbell. You overlook Doak Campbell in the tailgate lots. It's a beautiful thing. There'll be a, uh, a cash bar. There'll be some buffet food for you as well. And we will have a live pregame show starting at one o'clock. But the fun begins at noon. So we'll see you at noon. Hotel Indigo, 12 to 3. And then Ira, I'll be on Warchan TV all damn day doing the, uh, the pregame show. We're doing a watch along with Gene Williams and me. <laughs> And then uh, I got the post game show, so I better get the uh, the lozenges ready for. Uh, for well, games and hope, hopefully, some of the athletic trainers from FSU are over there to maybe rub down rub down those those, those uh, hammies. Or, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> in case you pull another get another cramp. On a scale of uh, one to ten, that was probably a six or a seven. That, that was uh, a. And that is cramp. that is the worst feeling in the world. I remember just when I was like in college playing basketball and go to bed at night, never drinking water, and then yep. you wake up at two in the morning in just the worst pain any human being has ever experienced. Those, oh. 
Well, I, I'm sitting on a stool. I got a stool for our um, – that's like my Rick Pitino promo. One stool. But downstairs in the dining room, we got a pub-style table, and that's what I use for this. Um, and I wrap my leg around it in such a way that it cut <laughs> off the circulation. So I won't do that again. Um, I'm hydrated. Trust me. I've had like uh, 80 ounces of water today. Ira, any final thoughts um, before, before we sign off this week? No, just thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for uh, the nice words there, Sage. That was awesome. We appreciate it. Uh, and, um, yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to this week. There's two ba – they're basically halfway through spring uh, camp. We'll, uh, Corey and I are writing pieces over the next two days. I'm going to ask – I'm going to write a story for tomorrow that people can read at warchant.com on the um, – uh, basically the questions we still need answers to on offense uh, with these next two weeks to go. Corey's going to come back the next day with a story on the defense – questions that we still have uh, that we're still asking after two weeks of spring camp. And then also tomorrow, a bunch of the guys, Jermaine Johnson and uh, Jay Sean Corbin and some of the other guys who are going to be participating in pro day on Tuesday, pro day is Tuesday on FSU's campus. Uh, they're going to meet with the media for interviews. So if you check out YouTube war Chant TV, you'll see um, interviews with all of those guys uh, tomorrow afternoon. I think the interviews are going to be early afternoon. So look for those. We'll have stories from that. And then uh, also on Tuesday, uh, we'll be back there for pro day in the morning and then practice in the afternoon. Tomorrow is not a practice day. They go Tuesday, Thursday. I just gave you the rundown for the week. We will be on uh, 1 o'clock. The Jeff Cameron Show will take place right here on Warchant TV. One last reminder to hit subscribe if you've not done so already. And if you hit the bell, you'll be alerted when we go live. So you never have to worry about it. We'll just remind you automatically. Uh, and for the recruit Knicks out there, those of you that love recruiting coverage, Michael Langston is slated to join Aslan uh, and Corey tonight on Wake Up Warchant. So when that posts either here to Warchant TV or wherever you get your podcast, you'll have some information about some of the goings on with recruiting. We don't they want got to a, they, they got a quarterback commit this weekend, a 2024 yeah. quarterback um, out of Savannah, Georgia, and uh, several other big time recruits were here this weekend as well. So all that's up on the site. But like you said, yeah, listen to Wake Up War Chant and they'll be talking to Michael on there. For Irish Rafael, my name is Tom Lang. Head to ABC Fine Wine and Spirits uh, before your night is done. Uh, make it a little bit more spicy for whatever it is you're watching tonight. We thank you for watching us. And we will catch you next time. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And thank you, Steve, for your contributions. We very much appreciate that. Uh, but we will catch you all next time on War Chant TV. Good night, everybody. <laughs>